0: On this edition of the Seacoast Forum, one of the legendary voices of broadcast journalism joining us, Roger Wood. Roger, I wanted to congratulate you on being a, a Renaissance man. That's that's I, I was looking for a, a good adjective for you because you're an accomplished news reporter, a published author, a ham radio operator, uh, yeah. and and just one of the good guys of broadcasting. You know, that's 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 what I when I say the name Roger Wood, that's those are the phrases that come up to me. Well, thank you. I will mention that I won the the NHPA
1: Lifetime Achievement Award last week. Yeah, That that was was fun for me.
0: That is a big accomplishment, and man, you deserve it, because I know you've, uh, since our days at at the the big station, WOKQ, Mm -hmm. and uh, you've been with In-Depth New Hampshire doing reports for them. So explain explain to the listeners what In-Depth New Hampshire is about. Back in 2015... A good good friend of mine Nancy
1: West, who worked for the union leader for 30 years, decided uh, and she left right then decided that the future was in um, digital uh, broadcasting podcasting really and uh, and also print uh, forms on on digital you know like the papers do but um she thought that that was the best vehicle to go forward with a uh, with a website and a news website and she had some friends of hers that were in similar circumstances and she called me and said, um, can you, can you meet me for, meet me for coffee? That was 2015. And I said to her, what, what do you want me to do? She, she said, podcasts. And have you, have you done some, right? Yeah. I said, a, a few <laughs> and a few audio books too, but, um, she launched it in 2015, really no money. Um, it doesn't cost that much to get on, but um, she had to buy liability insurance, level insurance and and all that kind of thing. But um, I didn't get paid until 2020.
0: <laughs> it was a labor of love, right?
1: <laughs> and the others too, I think yeah, it still is. I mean, the small, small little honorariums for doing a podcast about, about once a week, about four times. And uh, I, I base it, on finding guests that are i don't know human uh, politicians but people i think want to hear human people you yeah. know you, you know you, not just stand up politicians with their spiels that they give to everybody right but i'll do politician if i can yeah that, that's uh that's the basis of it 2015 but Serum, I started experimenting with podcasting in 2004 when I first read about it, and a friend of mine was talking to me about it. And so I set up this kind of rudimentary podcast, which nobody would listen to, and I don't blame him. And uh, he, he, I said, I set up a podcast. And he, he said, well, What's that? I mean, <laughs> I mean, no, everybody I talked to in 2004 said, no, What's a podcast? Hmm. Now everybody's doing them.
0: Well, that's the thing. The technology is uh, advanced so much and, and everybody see now podcasting is available everywhere, literally on your phone. So you can be going anywhere and be doing anything. I could be out mowing my lawn like I did yesterday be listening to the Roger Wood podcast, you know? So that's, that's the advantage of, of podcasting. Now, whereas back in 2004, we were still doing, uh, what do they call it? Uh, well, radio terrestrial radio i guess that's that right the uh howard stern came up with you know it was it was before satellite technology really was mm-hmm. firing off in all cylinders and podcasting was just like you said it's in, in its infancy and uh it was it, it was it was going to become a means to an end for sure
1: it's, it was fun experimenting but it was more and i then i got paid a little bit by a <clears throat> a non-profit called uh, work opportunities unlimited they they find uh work for people who have uh metal issues and uh, they monitor them and i did podcast interviews with people who worked there uh at in at that place also Letty group that's the uh that, that's the umbrella for that and uh they paid me fairly good money for the ones i did and then they lost interest but they kept all mine up <laughs> right now even <laughs> you can hear uh, my interviews with people their thought was that um the people would leave because they're so poorly paid but if they got some publicity in some form even an interview they'll stay
0: longer well i don't know if that happened but i did get paid and i did help them i guess One sidebar I was just thinking about, and we're talking about the broadcasting business and how it changed, but also journalism in general. Mm. I I don't know what your feeling is towards newspapers going digital. You don't see many physical newspapers out there on the street anymore. I mean, the local newspaper or the regional paper here in in the Seacoast area, uh, the chain has kind of gone all digital. I don't even know if you can get a hard copy of the paper anymore.
1: You know, here's an anecdote seacoast online uh is the digital version of the portsmouth herald right and when i read the, the stories in seacoast online they always beat the stories in the paper paper because first of all the paper paper is published I be, is is printed i believe in worcester or rhode island and uh their drop dead time for a story to get in is uh i think 3 p.m thursday and Seaghost Online can get on immediately. Yeah. And and so it's a good lead. But I mean, that's what's happening. Of course, the big
0: cutbacks and layoffs, it's a uh, scandalous in papers. Who, what, when, where, why? As you know, we both, we both have had that AP news copy book in our, in our newsrooms at some point and who, what, what where, why, and then all the rules of what you shouldn't do or shouldn't say, which most of that's out the window. Now, <laughs> that's true. Especially, especially <laughs> on
1: this forum. Yeah. Yeah by the way can i just plug my new one it's uh, called roger wood at large we'll do or, or rogerwood.news we'll get you there it's, i started producing that news site back in april
0: what what do you focus on uh, articles about certain things or people or what
1: no i do i do um mainly audio but but pictures with headlines you have to really hit it to find out what i do but it's, i think it's fairly clean i use wordpress to put it all together, learned that, and uh, I have a small number of subscribers. I have a subscriber banner up there, so you can type your 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 you know your email in and get the daily feed from me. I usually get it out by about eight a.m. eight a m eight thirty a m, and I try to encapsulate all that I can: New Hampshire, Maine, and Massachusetts, and national in about four minutes or five minutes. Then I go to an interview, which I, I cut up over the week. I have a long interview, say 20 minutes. And so I use maybe four or five minutes of the interview each day. And rather than a whole interview, which people would get tired of hearing, you know,
0: well, one thing we we learned and I say we, anybody that was in the broadcasting business is that, you know, the, the, and it's more probably multiplied by a thousand now. The attention span of a listener, you have to get the get the point in and, and sell it fast, whether it's a product you're selling, a, a record you're promoting, or in your case, a news story. Uh, it's kind of sad though, as we saw towards the end of the broadcasting as it was. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, it was like you've got three minutes, make it work. It used to be, and it was the order you just said, it was the local news first, then the regional, which would be the state, or New England, and then you'd follow it up with the national stuff, unless you had a real big national headline. Well,
1: yeah, like the the, the submersible, uh, tragedy,
0: right. which I led with a couple of days, two or three days, right. with. Right. Yeah, that's that to me. I, I mean, hits home because of the Thrusher incident we had yeah. right off the coast here yeah. in, in New England, and uh, you know it, it just left everybody hollow. Um, I know it affected here in Exeter. We had one of the one of the uh, texts that was aboard. On that on that cruise and uh you know just it left everybody a hollow feeling like you don't have closure what ha- we know basically what ha- happened but nobody has closure no nobody knows for sure wokq a lot of folks know you're from but you started before that in the business so in 1968 68 i was a
1: student WOKQ. at uh, temple university
0: yeah.
1: station in chester pennsylvania hired me you know summertime a little bit of the fall and uh, that was quite a station <laughs> the owner built it himself and uh, he was pretty strict and then i worked for wdvr in philadelphia that was an overnight thing on a weekend still that a student there and we we played the um beautiful music format which is still alive i guess lots of uh, strings then in 1970 i got my first job up here at w-h-e-b am 750. There was an FM station there, but it wasn't really chugging along. And there was competition across the street from WBBX at the time. So I was the newsman not knowing anything about news. I got a year in there, and then I said, I, I'm t- done with the news. So I went over to this WDNH, and uh, they paid me $90 a week to, uh, to do country music, which I knew nothing about. They paid you that much? <laughs> yeah, 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 I was rolling in dough, you know. <laughs> and then I went to WBBX. Here we go, Jump, jumping around, journeyman, right? And uh, did a couple, three years there. And then I said, the hell with this. And I got a job at uh, New Hampshire Public TV as an engineer. Well, an operating engineer. They taught me how to run everything, pretty much. And I stayed there th- more more or less three years in that job. And then I said... Well, the hell with this. I want to go back to radio. And that's when JJ Jeffrey, uh, who owned half the station, uh, brought me in. He said, I'll give you my raise as as your pay. It was <laughs> pretty small. But I stayed 19 years there doing the news for different people.
0: Wow. Those were golden years at, at, at under the Fuller Jeffrey banner at, yeah. at, at WOKQ. I mean, we, we both have that in common, the WDNH. Um, i must have been i i was way back when maggie turnrose ran the place and mm. a guy named don white was the fellow who hired me he was the news guy slash i think morning man at the time mm-hmm, or midday mm-hmm. guy, and uh i got uh, thrown into the booth and they said okay do the do the one o'clock news and they gave me a bunch of copy and that was it a live on-air audition yeah. and as it turned out I came out of the booth, you know, doing flops wet thinking like I'm dead. I'm, this is it. And, and, uh, he says, uh, okay, show up tomorrow. You got the jobs. <laughs> so thank you to Don white and to Maggie. I mean, uh, Maggie and I had our, our differences over the short time. I was there about eight months, but <laughs> <laughs> and I learned the hard way. It was, it was an interesting, uh, start because I was, uh, full of vim and vigor, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And I knew the business. I was going to be the, the next best thing. And, uh, as uh when i got my hat handed to me <laughs> or they put my briefcase out in the hallway and said it's been nice knowing you, you
1: know, the I, funny I, thing I, is you you and i <clears throat> have marketable voices but you got to have more than marketable voices yes. you have to have thinking and yes. intellect behind it and tell right. things to people that they would want to hear
0: exactly and and one thing i will say in my own defense is that and i've said this in other other times that i was lucky that i grew up my dad was a big fan of both big band and country music so that was in my back pocket and i i knew country music so that was basically what saved me there but you're right i mean and i said this to somebody recently if you're if you've got a great voice that doesn't mean you're going to be a great communicator you gotta you gotta be well read prepared you know that i know that you know and it takes a lot of time and effort. To, uh, when you first start, you're ready to roll. Back to WBBX, where we have that is a common denominator. Yeah. As well, I worked with a bunch of the guys there. Uh, uh, Jim Metcalf was running the show then, as far as the oh, program. So Jim Metcalf, yeah. Gene Fisk was running the show. Yes. He was general manager then. <laughs> right. Uh, I was out. I was out of there before then. Now you were you there during the the Kurt Gowdy days? Yes. I uh, see, I was out. I, I came in after the owner that uh, followed him
1: look at the property now that wbbx was on there's nothing there
0: i know i know and nothing and wheb oh which was a legend for years i mean uh, that was our chief competition whether you were wokq or wbbx you had duncan door and, and the star star power you had uh, bergeron was there for a while yeah uh it's uh, sad though that, that you know those, those are two institutions just plowed down. Now one's going to be uh, well, one's an open field, I think, and the other's going to be uh, supposedly uh, affordable housing. uh uh-huh.
1: <laughs> That's yeah, you know, something like that on the La- Route One Lafayette Road location. Yeah. But they're they're going to demolish the broadcasting building. And I like to say, and maybe I wrote this, I don't know, that there are no longer any commercial radio stations serving this area. This amen. State.
0: This yeah. area at all, actually. Matter matter of fact, I got back into the business when I retired from the post office, which I spent twenty-eight great years at. Yeah. Got a retirement and uh good part-time radio. I did OKQs, uh fill in once in a while on the weekends, and then I was uh, doing That's a where I, I tended to work with you. That's right. We did Sundays usually together. And uh prior to that, when I first started with the post office, and this is a story I tell Mark Erickson, because he was famous for being on the morning waking crew. Yeah. Uh, And uh, it was funny because you were doing the news 530 and I preceded you. I was the overnight guy. Mm. And about 20 minutes after five, I'd hear the door open and Mike Martell would come in and he'd usually boogie into the studio with me. And I always made it a point at 20 after that was my final commercial break before we introduced you. I'd uh, I'd come up with some what we call a bumper story, one of those lighter lighter than you know, air stories that don't offend anybody. And knowing I had to get something that Mike would react to, and and he never failed me. That guy never nailed me. me. He was gold. That guy was, gold. And, was. And I just saw a picture recently of the, of you and uh, Danny Lunny, another member of the Morning Waking Crew. Um, you know, We'd like to uh, consider it the golden age of our career,
1: really, because. Yeah. It was work that was easy, and you know what they, they say:
0: uh, if you love what you're doing, you never work a day in your life. Not work, right? Well, and, and you had wasn't. you had you had some real good guys working there. I mean, oh, uh, man, uh, you know, prior to, uh, I mean, Tom T Healy. I mean, he was a crazy man. He was one of the original crazy guys in the morning. I mean, yes, no he was. Yes, and you know, no filters. I mean, before Howard Stern and uh, how how that didn't get blipped. <laughs> I know.
1: I don't know. He got blipped eventually, unfortunately,
0: unfortunately out, yeah. out of there. But, yeah, uh, but, but I mean, at the time, I mean, that was that was gold radio, too. I mean, it, it yeah. was it was a fun place to work and and uh, everybody kind of knew their place and, and their function. And it, the sad thing was I, I uh, tag out the story. Mike and I had a good rapport and we knew that uh, Tony, Tony was, Young, he was leaving and yes he's a a lawyer he was going to law school so there's going to be an opening in the morning waking crew so mike said to me what about it and i said i just got the job at the post office i had just been hired at the post office and you know i said i don't know mike but they took me out to lunch he and marty lassard who was general manager and we talked about it and basically i said marty you know what i'd love to but i can't because you know i know radio he knows radio you know radio It just, there's no guarantees. And I had to get, at that point, I had two kids, and I had to make sure I could come down in some odd years and and have a retirement, too. So uh, I passed on. (laughs) And so, Danny, Lunny, you owe me. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It was a good idea, though. It was. (laughs) And I had fun doing it in part-time, and I did the countdown show for him for a few Mm. years. Mm. It, you know i i, I a hobby, like really a hobby It was a hobby and i felt like i was part of the part of the process and and uh you know i had i had the uh the chance to just be a part of that fun time and then i came back after i retired from the post office but by that time the world had changed the broadcasting world because conglomerates mm-hmm. had bought out all these local chains and and uh, unfortunately their their philosophies of life are are we making money yeah 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 Nah, not enough. <laughs> they're in they're in debt too, a
1: lot of them. Deep in debt because they paid so much for these local stations. I got paid twelve bucks an hour during my last part time. Sure. Uh, you're getting two you. more
0: than me you're getting two more than me <laughs> i was trying for 12 <laughs> people think that we make a lot of money in that business. i know i know and, and the thing was i said to somebody recently i said if you wanted t-shirts or concert tickets that's they can provide our records you know uh, vinyl records in those days when we caveman days when we were in it uh now it's all digital downloads <laughs> uh, yeah <laughs> right. i mean those were fun days and those and those are guys that uh we've said uh, before we started our, our talk today that i'd love to get some of those old time radio guys that are on uh they're still with us uh i know ray fournier was one of the first guys i ever dealt with in the business uh, he used to let us sneak into wbbx at night when we were in broadcasting school and while he was tweaking the transmitter he'd let us play disc jockey without going on the air <laughs> Yeah, you know, we could play the spots and we could play the music yep. we can't say anything on the air and then so we we a lot of us had fun doing that and uh i wanted to ask you about you became a published author using some of that material and and coming up with a character and, and tell tell the folks about that
1: well, <clears throat> a little complicated but i didn't write a i didn't want to write a book that had all eyes in it i did this i did that i did that so i invented a character uh Derek Lawson is his name but it's me and I explained that in the in the prelude Derek goes through all these machinations from college where he had a raucous time <laughs> mm-hmm. with the women you know to the third best first book Lawson found still on Amazon got to look for it the second one was Lawson Rhodes and the third one was Lawson something or other the th- but the third one i was just working my regular thing and being being nice i think for the most part
0: enjoyable reads i'll tell you what you know i i was just watching cbs news this morning and all they were talking about was summer beach reads that would be a perfect read on the beach for me you know what i mean i'm yeah. not a, I'm, I'm not the type of guy that goes to the beach to read don't don't get me wrong but i'm just summer read just something i i go out in my summer shed and sit there and it, it, it was entertaining i've read two out of the three oh, yeah. uh, and and i also like audible books so i mean mm. that, that's another thing so that you know if, if it's a book that has a, a, a narrator that knows his or her stuff i'm with them you know and some yeah. You know, yeah yeah me too you know? if they yeah. get too dramatic or, or too goofy I'm out of it, but uh, I, I'm pretty picky on what I what I read or listen to uh, when it comes to that. But yeah, good good reads. So I I,
1: I I listened to the audio book narrated about her by Carly Simon. Yeah, Carly Simon read out her book.
0: Yep, yeah. yeah. I caught I, I, I that one. Yeah, I I enjoy. I'm a I'm an autobiography or biography guy. I really do. I I mm-hmm. I, I, I me very, too. Yeah, very I'm not a fiction, fiction guy really. No, no. I want no, the, I mean, the uh, truth exactly people people say why don't you listen or read uh, the i don't want to name anybody but patterson and all these guys and i said well you know yeah. if they if they chunk out a book every week like stephen king or patterson or a few of these other authors i don't know what the what the quality is i mean i i when i was in school loved mitchner and that was almost like reading the encyclopedia about whatever the state yeah. or topic it was um but there again that would not be something I want to listen to on Audible because I'd be like, "Oh man, my head would explode after a while." So you got a couple of good local
1: authors in your way. Um, <clears throat> one is, uh, oh, he fill he does he fills in stuff for for Patterson. Oh my gosh, who is who is it? And then there's Laura. Um, oh, wow. the street writer.
0: Yeah, yeah. Bye bye. <laughs> yeah, Laura, Laura is a is a, is an interesting uh, person. She's uh, been the PI and everything else in her in her time. So yeah, uh, yeah, right. you know, the, yeah, those are yeah. sort the of type of books that I and again they're there th- things that have gone on right here in the seacoast that that uh, I think are worthy of, of a read. Uh, it, there's one idea that I've kicked around for years and uh, I, I've never done anything with it. And maybe before maybe before I go toes up. <laughs> i sketch it out, outline it, whatever, and then hand it off to somebody. And say, "Hey, maybe you want to work on this." And it's kind of a fun. It would. It's not a fun read, but it would be uh, an intriguing read. Let's put it well, that. There.
1: I do have a. I do. I'm. A, I am working on a novel that is fiction, and I know nothing about murder mysteries. Really, my wife is good about that. I started it in 2018. I got a great title, and I even got a great way the person died. What I don't have is. Who did it? Okay, but the name of the novel is Death by Radio. Ooh, I like that. I like that. And you that. can't figure it out from that title, but I, I can't figure out how to end
0: it <laughs> Well, you know that's 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 the other pro- process that I admire you for having put pen to paper and putting out three published books. I mean, I've, I when I was in school, the teachers would say, "Hey, you know, you got you got a little bit of a talent there with writing," and and I I obviously I had an imagination too but uh i just i i don't know maybe it was i just couldn't contain myself or, or whatever but it is it's a process i mean i've talked to a few guys that are really good at it uh one right here in the seacoast and i mean he, he locks himself away for months on end and before he does that he goes off and does research for months on end and then he sits in his studio and puts together a you know, and and the advantage to this fellow is he only does maybe one book every so often, which mm-hmm. is a quality book, quality versus quantity. I mean, when you when you get his book, Dan Brown, uh when you oh, read his wow. books, you're getting you're getting the whole deal. You you know the background, the foreground, and everything in between. You don't you don't have to worry about gee what did i miss something here you know uh, it is it is it is sometimes a heavy read points but mm. once mm-hmm. he starts blowing once he's got the, the ball rolling it, it's rolling and uh i think that's that's you, you just hit it on the head you almost have to work backwards yeah <laughs> if you're yeah actually novel. from the end to the beginning
1: ideal, if, especially if you can figure out the end but my and, wife and I are working on that, and uh, wow. hopefully before I go toes up, as you put it, uh, Death by Radio will be coming up.
0: How did you get into uh, ham radio? That's another, another part of uh, you being a, a Renaissance man.
1: When I was 15, I was interested because I heard people on the air on my shortwave radio, and I said, gee, they sound like they're having a lot of fun. And uh, thankfully, through my mother putting me into the Franklin Institute course in Philadelphia, I got my license, uh, a general class license, which operated everywhere on the band, pretty much except for the lower ten kilo kilohertz, whatever. Anyway, um fifteen, um, I got some used equipment. <laughs> I have mostly used equipment now, but it's okay. And then then um, uh, I started uh, talking to people and loosening up and making friends or in similar circumstances, and making friends not of anglo white necessarily mm. and so we talk about racism and stuff didn't exist in that hobby i don't think it does still just people with a common hobby I and mean, you talk all over the world if the conditions are right
0: well, now what's the farthest away you've spoken to somebody i would say
1: <clears throat> russia and i've i've heard russian people on and i accidentally talked to the one but I refuse to talk to any Russian amateur radio operators. They might be neutral you know, or in favor of Ukraine,
0: but yeah.
1: I'm not taking you know Russia. I'll say Russia.
0: No, I haven't
1: talked to the Far East.
0: And that's the sad thing about uh, especially the technology we've got now with Facebook and everything that get hacked. Uh, have you noticed any of that in the ham business? Uh, in the ham operator business, that people are out there kind of trying to well you, you just hit on it put out some negative spin on whatever's going on in the world
1: yeah well there are people that just have fun on there and they don't give their call letters and no. uh some of them swear mm-hmm. actually they're contained to about one frequency which is good you just uh, never visit that frequency because you'll hear like, <laughs> some raucous stuff but generally uh everybody's everybody's polite
0: and we remember the days when CB radio was the the, the big thing.
1: Yeah. Some of the CBers it turned into AM radio operators. Uh, a lot of them started that way in CB radio and drifted into amateur radio, ham radio. Yeah. Licenses are easier to get now than where they, they were. You, you
0: started with more 13 Coke.
1: words a minute. Yeah. yeah. It's not that fast. I can probably still write 20 words a minute and in
0: my head do 25. Back when you and I started in the radio business, broadcasting business, uh, here in New England, you went down to the customs house in Boston to get your third-class license. And yes. It had to be on the wall at the radio station, real close to the transmitter. Yeah, They changed it. You didn't need a, sh- a shingle. It became a card. <laughs> right. right. Like, like and your my first-class
1: license became a general class that doesn't give you anything. It's a right. lifetime, at least. <laughs> Yeah, uh, and, certificate,
0: but... and now you don't even need a license. No. You got blood running through your veins, 98.6, and that's not the radio frequency. That's that's, <laughs> not, that's your temp. You can, you're on the air, buddy. And and really, yeah. that kind of sad because mm. I know the technology has changed so that having a, a broadcast license uh, to engineers a whole different animal now. Mm. Uh, you think that at least they'd make people try to study a little bit so that it just not anybody getting into the business to mm. have some qualifications to be on the air i mean now it's uh, the wild wild west podcasting yeah. yeah. facebook the fcc and- deregulation exactly when that that was the worst and thing that Congress. happened. Yet. you and i when we started in the business the, the, we had to not only really watch what we said but we had you know people kind of looking over our shoulders to make sure that every commercial played the way it was supposed to, logged in, yeah, logged in, yeah. The transmitter was firing off where it should be. I mean, I worked. Check, one check guy. the
1: meters every hour, they never oh, changed. Yeah, yeah. But I was an engineer and broadcaster at BBX, and okay. I always say I knew enough to be dangerous. But we had an old transmitter, a one thousand watt oldie with oh, I know, I know tubes all through, and one time. The boss there, he wanted it loud, and wow. I said, well, that thing shouldn't flicker, but once or a little while, the, the top peak meter, he said, no, 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 crank it up way be, way beyond that, and it was loud. It was loud until it blew out the output tubes and the capacitor that uh, ran to them because it couldn't
0: handle the load. They didn't care. They just wanted it out there, you know? They wanted those submarines in the middle of the Atlantic to be able to hear WBBX, yeah. Uh, WOKQ during the Fuller Jeffries days that yeah, was that was the yeah. high point for me that was really that was those were fun days they made some though. Yeah, they made some money had some characters in Well, one one guy i want to go back to and i want to get a story from you about him because uh, he he meant a lot to me and uh, a lot of people in in New England that, that listened to WOKQ and that's obviously Mikey Martell. he was just one positive guy i mean he 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 didn't come in with a chip on his shoulder ever he always he had you know, you know and I, when he'd come in at 20 after five, I knew I didn't have to work hard to get him to laugh. I, I, yeah. And all I had to do was feed him a line. It was almost like Johnny Carson would, when Rodney Dangerfield would come out. You know, you just ask him a question, and the next thing, bang, Rodney takes off. And it was the same thing with Mikey Martell. Um, and any partner he had in the Morning Waking crew, he was the linchpin. Tell me a Mikey Martell story. What What's one that, that comes to mind? Anything that he did out of the ordinary or he, and one of the guys that he worked with in the waking crew.
1: Well, um, um, was, of course it was fun with, with Mikey, but, and as you say, he reacted with laughter with just about whatever you feed him. What I like about Mikey is that, and Danny, what we worked with together is that we could actually do things just by eye contact, Mm. knowing what the next person was going to do. Mm -hmm. And, uh, he used, to, he used to feed me these sniglets, he called them, and uh, I'm supposed to solve them. And I I gave the answer, and it was always wrong for Mikey. It was always wrong, and that
0: resulted in gales of laughter. Because no, they tortured me. But he did it in a nice way. I mean, yes, he, was, yes. he was never brutal. I mean, no. you know, and, and uh, since Howard Stern became the thing, all these teams that are in the morning, the zoos and whatever they call them, I mean it just seems to be people talking over each other and trying to make fun of each other yeah. and up each other and yeah you know, once in a while you get a guy that can be the the ringleader and and, and hold fort but most of them it's just like what are they talking about and why are they making fun of anything in general just you know is there a purpose for this <laughs> that's why I don't listen really <laughs> yeah I don't either back to the the uh, journalism part of your career I know you've interviewed people in the past and you're currently interviewing people, but is there a person or an interview that when you look back and say, wow, that one, if I, it, you know, I, I like to put that in the time capsule. Is it one of those out there?
1: I think um, <clears throat> it was some people will poke fun at me, but I got a ride on the USS Maine submarine one time. And I think the interview I had with captain was really Good because we were underwater at the time. <laughs> we got to see everything except the reactor. I mean, it was it was fantastic. Uh, I actually they gave me the the wheel to, to actually make it dive. Of course, wow. there was a navy guy standing right in back of me to make sure I didn't. And wow. he said, "Pull that up now," and I did. And we I <laughs> said, "We said, well, we're six hundred 650 feet down. You know, that's not crush depth for those things. I'll tell you, you probably go
0: three thousand feet oh, or yeah. more." It's, you, you, it's classified what i want you to do is tell us how we could get in touch with roger wood on what the podcast the website whatever however
1: like <clears throat> you google <clears throat> roger wood at large spelled out at at large it'll reach my it'll come to the top of the google thing because nothing like it exactly or you can type in dot News because that's the official you know, the site, the domain, shall we say, they, they, they both reach to the same point. And I also take emails, but I haven't gotten any yet.
0: <laughs> Roger, my friend, thank you for joining us today. Uh, we just scratched the surface and we will have you back for another edition of the Seacoast Forum in the very near future. And we want to remind you, if you're enjoying the program, please pass the word. We're on all the major podcast platforms. If you have any ideas for future shows, send it to Forum at yahoo.com. And until next time, this is Sherm Chester inviting you to join us for the next edition of the Seacoast Forum.